Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, are a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. It has been a few months since I uploaded a podcast. A lot has changed. A lot has happened. Um, A new job, a move, a big trip. Even the podcast platform that I use to upload the audio and then convert everything into a podcast has changed and updated and I'm having to learn how to navigate that again. Um, So excuse me if I'm a little bit rusty, but I hope that you've been well. I hope wherever you are now, you are well. I hope that maybe you also had some fun, interesting changes or experiences. I talked about some of the things that were coming up, some of the changes that were going to happen in my last couple of podcasts. But I guess I'll just give you like a quick little synopsis of all the things that have happened in the past, let's see, July to August, September, October, and we're just starting November, so three and a half months. I did move. I moved about two hours from where I was previously. So I moved. I got a new job. Um, I obviously had to move everything from my apartment um, into a new place. And I did a little bit of traveling. I went to Alaska for 12 days, I believe. Um, I believe it was really 10 days once you take out all the travel time. Um, but I was there visiting a really good friend and just living life, enjoying myself. We had like a fun excursion planned every single day, just doing a lot of like playful sort of things, whitewater rafting, zip lining toward a glacier, flew an airplane, like just really great life experiences. Um, Super fortunate to be able to have been able to do that. And then obviously starting a new job, it's a different setting. So I was in the school-based setting previously and now I'm doing early intervention in the home and in the clinic, clinic. And working um, an autism center here with kiddos who are potentially looking at an autism spectrum disorder. Um, And I'm loving it. It's a big change of pace, very different. And so there's also with that a big learning curve for myself. So I've really been taking some time to make sure that the job that pays the bills I'm investing in and doing as best as I can be in that area. And that just meant that some of the side projects, hobbies, etc. temporarily fell to the wayside, which is the podcast. But we're back. I feel like I have some room in my schedule where I can consistently pick that back up. 
And so we are here today on the podcast to talk about play, to talk about play. And I'm so excited to do this podcast. I actually took the notes and did the research for this podcast, oh, maybe three, three or four weeks ago. Um, so I've just kind of been like sitting on it and finally have the time to sit down. It's 8.30 at night on a Tuesday. Like we're here, we're going to do this. Um, in case you didn't know, I do handwrite all of my notes for my podcasts unless I'm just kind of speaking from the heart. But if there's something that I'm wanting to touch on, like when I did the developmental milestones, I did a series of those. I go back into the books. I go back, um, you know, through some peer-reviewed research and get a big synopsis of whatever it is that I'm talking about and then kind of in my own words write down those notes and organize it and then teach it back in the podcast. So it's a great way for me to learn. The best way to learn is by teaching. And so that's really what this podcast is for. But anyways, so you might hear the pages flipping back and forth. Um, I don't know. It, I've always been a write your notes by hand sort of person. I think there's magic in writing it down. I think it helps commit to memory. You're pairing the motor and tactile elements of it. And it might be a little bit old fashioned, but you know what? That's how I do it. So anyways, today we're talking about play. Because with this new job in early intervention, I am finding that half of what I'm doing, if not more, is playing. There's always intention behind what types of play I'm doing, how I'm interacting or cueing the play, how the play is adapted or modified, um, you know, working on behavioral strategies through play working on developmental milestones, sensory integration, reflex integration, all of the things that we do as therapists, but it's being facilitated through play. And I'm finding myself playing probably more now as an adult <laughs> than I did as a, as a child. Um, and honestly, some of it's a little bit hard. Like as an adult trying to play like a child might play, you don't, I, I feel like I'm not as creative or imaginative or, you know, those foundational elements of play and the magic of play as a child kind of fades away over time. And so I'm finding myself rediscovering play. So I thought that I would do a podcast episode about play. Obviously, there's so many different play theories. Um, you know, there's different therapeutic interventions in all different domains, whether it's OT or speech or psychological um, counseling or even nutrition perspectives that that incorporate play so I'm only going to focus like there's we just cannot touch on all the elements of play in one podcast so 
I'm going to do my best to go over some of the highlights of play and some of the play that I have been doing over the past couple of weeks with this new job. Um, so anyways, yeah, let's talk about play. All right, let's start with a definition of play. So this is kind of a hodgepodge of a couple of different definitions that I found. Play is a range of intrinsically motivated, and I think that's really key here, is intrinsically motivated activities done for recreational pleasure and enjoyment. So typically we would associate play with children, but, you know, play can really occur at any stage of life and even among higher functioning animals. If you've ever been to a zoo or if you even just have pets of your own, you'll see that animals other than, you know, humans enjoy engaging in play. Um, I think it's really important too to note that it is a subjective experience of joy and fun, right? So I just explained that I went to Alaska and my idea as a young adult playing was hiking and backpacking and camping and eating freeze-dried meals that we heated up over the fire and, you know, not having um, a hot shower for a couple of days or um, sleeping on the ground. Like that is for me playful. For you, that probably sounds like torture. So it is a subjective experience. So how does play fit into occupational therapy? I think that play is kind of at the heart of occupational therapy, especially when we're working in pediatrics, as play is a child's primary occupation. And extremely important and even essential in a lot of developmental growth in every single area. Um, I mean, play addresses problem-solving skills and other executive functioning skills like organization and perseverance through a task. Um, we can build, you know, both instant reward, cause and effect through play, as well as working towards long-term reward. It promotes learning skills, cognitive skills and development. It facilitates and promotes communication. We work on motor planning and praxis skills through a lot of play-based tasks. It helps to promote fine motor skills and our overall adaptability to be flexible with changes. We can work on social interactions and social navigating social conflicts, that conflict resolution. It helps to work on sensory processing and integrating our senses and our reflexes. I mean, it. we can go as far as saying it helps to promote focus and 
getting into a state of flow and the importance that a state of flow has on our cognition, on our sustained attention and ability to focus, which then impacts school-aged kids, as well as how we're able to focus throughout education and into adulthood. We work on visual processing and visual perception skills through play, promote imagination. We start to build a sense of responsibility through play and develop confidence. We can use play to help form our identity um, and learn what we're capable of doing. I mean, I just, if I haven't convinced you already that play is essential for children of any and all ages, and as I'm looking through this list, I'm thinking maybe there are more adults that need to play and continue to work on some of these skills. Um, And a lot of what we do in therapy really should look like play. I remember once when I was in undergrad um, school, I did an internship, like a month-long or two-month-long internship at a OT clinic that specialized in a ASI, so air sensory integration. And I was very new to the concept of OT. I was still deciding if I wanted to do OT or PT or what my options were as a psychology major in undergraduate school. And I remember being in this clinic and thinking to myself, because I was looking at it from a different perspective, not really understanding everything that was going on in the therapy, more so just an outside outside observer, thinking, these adults are just getting paid to play with these children. <laughs> and I remember asking one of the women that I was interviewing, um, her name was Janetta, and I said, Janetta, you know, it really just looks like you're pl- you're playing with these kids. And she said, well, that's the thing, is it should look like play. If it looks like play, you're doing it right. If it looks like work and the child's not engaged or <clears throat> intrinsically motivated, then you're not going to see as much growth and progress in these kids, it, it has to, you have to be clever and so engaging and creative that you can address almost any and all skills through play. And so I think that that's really important, not only to know for the kids that we work with that it needs to be playful and fun for them to feel confident and get them engaged and be motivated to persevere through something that's challenging. But I also think it's really important for us as adults and practitioners and parents and teachers and caregivers and, you know, daycare providers, etc. It should be playful. It really should be based on what the child's needing to accomplish, not not always what we're needing to accomplish. And so we have to get better at our play skills 
to meet their needs and be better at our jobs. I also think it's important to mention that play changes not only throughout development, as as we know, what we found fun and engaging when we were three is different than what we found fun and engaging at the age of 13 or even 30 or into our 50s and 60s. That changes. But play even changes over the course of time. So think about back when you were, let's say, 8, 9, or 10. Playing with friends. That's going to look a lot different for me when I was at that age than it is for somebody who's in their 50s or 60s looking back when they were that age to looking now at kids who are that age, 8, 9, and 10, and what they find is engaging. I remember we, I was when I worked in the middle schools, I was um, talking to some of the middle school girls that I was working with, and I said, tell me, tell me what you do on the weekends for fun. Tell me how you, like, do you, do friends come over? What do you do? How do you engage with, you, with each other? How do you play? And they were like, oh, like, we, you know, have some games that we like to play. And a lot of what they had mentioned was more technology-based. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, like, you don't have friends come over and you split up into groups or, you know, little teams and create dance routines to your favorite song and then do little dance competitions and have your parents like maybe honestly maybe this was just me and my friend group but I remember like creative dance based play and maybe it's because some of us were cheerleaders or who knows what we would watch a lot of like MTV music videos and so maybe that's just what we were aspiring to be like but how I was playing in my early teens with my friends on the weekends was so extremely different than what girls at that age are doing now and so I think that's something to take into consideration and be mindful is that we can't always put ourselves in that perspective because times have changed so overall we are seeing less time spent outdoors and in nature playing we're seeing a lot less physically demanding playing so less I guess climbing of trees or I remember for a whole summer my friend who lived down the road from from me we would go like we lived in a town that had a college and so we would go like dumpster diving and find it's probably very unsafe (laughs) I do be doing this. We would go like find plywood and pieces of furniture or, you know, random things. And we built this fort in, in his, in the tree, in the back, in his backyard. And it's the fort still stands like halfway still stands. Um, that was very physically demanding, even more dangerous play and I'm sure like my dad or my grandfather have even worse stories of like really physically demanding potentially dangerous play we're seeing less of that now 
We're seeing an increase in the use of technology with play, whether it's technology games that are incorporated in play or just being on technology, right? So the difference between using like a Wii Fit game or like just the Wii or like an Xbox game or the like a Switch. Clearly, I'm not a very technology game oriented person, right? So like technology that is used to facilitate play mo like movement like you're, you're playing with that technology and also we're seeing just sitting in front of screens and engaging in a tablet as play right where there's like games that we're, we're playing on a screen you're seeing a lot more routine and organized play so like this is how we play the game this is how we do this there's like a steps or a sequence that that you kind of go through to be playing you're also seeing play through sports or teams and I think it's important to mention too we're seeing a lot less recess time in school so even times of day when maybe we're playing are changing like I remember playing in the mornings before getting on the bus or walking to school or we're like playing as we're walking to school. Again, elementary school, I used to go to a friend's house and we would play for like 30 minutes and then her, we would walk to school from her house. Like it was just based, like my, my parents would drop me off there because they had to go to work and then her and I would walk to school together. But we would play for a solid 15 to 30 minutes every morning before even walking to school. Um, we're seeing less playing in school and I think so I think a lot of play nowadays is happening when we get home from school although there's kids tend to have more homework these days so we're probably even seeing less play when we get home from school so maybe more play on the weekends I don't know I don't have I don't have kids I'm, I'm just trying to piece together patterns that I have witnessed and what's different than what I remember when I was at, at that younger that younger age. So I think that's really important to be mindful about is different types of play and how it's presenting differently, whether it's a different pattern of play, different style of play, etc. Something to be mindful of. Nonetheless, I do think, and I have found some articles to support this, that regardless of how we're playing, where we're playing, when we're playing, who we're playing with, there are still some very common ingredients of play. So if we think about, as an analogy, baking, right? Like, let's say you're you're making... Um, Cookies versus brownies versus a pie versus muffins. Like you tend to have very common ingredients, even though the outcome or the steps or the method of baking is different. There's usually there's very similar ingredients. You know, most baking requires flour or sugar or, you know, some sort of fat, whether it's butter or oil or like a nut butter healthy baking alternative, baking powders, baking sodas, salt. Like I feel like there are very common ingredients even though you're baking different things. So it's the same thing with play. 
So some ingredients of play, spontaneity. I mean, there has to be a level of you don't know what's going to come or something new arises. Spontaneity and joy. Make believe is an ingredient of play. Using that imagination, being creative. Exploration, whether it is exploration of the mind. So going back to that imagination, creativity, or if we think of exploration of our senses, you know, there's a tactile element of it or, you know, or exploring the way your body's moving or you're exploring sounds through a game or visual input. Exploration. Experimentation, right? Is this going to work? Is this the right move to make in the board game or the card game? Or if you're building something, what happens if I put this here? Is it going to lose balance? Or if you're mixing, you know, things, you're, you're experimenting. It has to be motivating. There has to be something in whatever it is that you're playing that's making you want to continue to play. There's a level of like you're voluntarily doing it. So it's intentional satisfaction you know are you going to do it again if it wasn't satisfactory did you have a good time was there joy did it elicit a positive uh, feeling um was there an outcome did you do play that is giving you uh, a final product whether you i remember i had this like you made a rug i don't know we like i made this like barbie rug thing and it was kind of play i was i was a young adolescent and I had a rug in my room. So I was very satisfactory that I had an I had a final outcome. Maybe it's an art project. And so there's there's something that you can hang on the wall that's very satisfying. Discovery. So learning something new or testing out what you didn't think you could do or discovering something about yourself through play. Again, creativity, thinking about something differently, trying something new. Um, rearranging things in a different way and being creative. Decision making. A lot of play requires a lot of decision, right? How am I going to set up the Barbie house? Or, you know, what role is each friend going to play in this make-believe game? Or, you know, if it's like an actual board game, you have decisions to make in terms of what's your next move or what card or game piece you're going to move next. And freedom of expression. So play should really involve this liberating feeling of being able to do what it is that you want to do in that moment and express yourself authentically as who you are in that play environment. So we really need to make sure that when we are setting up a play activity or a play experience or we are facilitating play as a therapist or as an adult, you don't need every ingredient. But think about some of those ingredients and think about your about, you know, is this going to allow them to make mistakes? Is this going to allow them to express themselves freely? Is there going to be an element of satisfaction? You know, can they explore through their senses? Think about some of these ingredients and maybe pick two, three, or four and facilitate the play in a way where they can utilize those skills or experience these different ingredients of play.
So I think in this podcast, we got a nice foundational knowledge of what is play, what is play involved, and why is play so crucial for children and really people of all ages. I am going to break this up into a couple different parts because there's still so many things about play, specific information about play that I want to go over. So a little preview about what I have planned for the next couple of podcasts about play. So we're going to go over the stages of play and when those stages develop and what that looks like. Let's see. I also want to type of, talk about um, a couple different types of play, including loose parts play. If you haven't heard of that, that's something I learned about ooh, about a year and a half ago, maybe maybe almost two years ago by one of the therapists that I was working with, Jill. I love Jill. Um, she introduced me to the concept of loose parts play. So I want to go over loose, loose parts play and how to set it up and have some very good tangible free things that you can do to facilitate that type of play and then going over other types of play and I even want to talk about ways to play more as an adult. I think it's really important if we're playing with children to understand what they're feeling, this raw authentic feeling that they're having during that play experience and it's really hard as an adult to feel what they're feeling with this this novelty or this freedom of expression or this learning when we're doing play that isn't developmentally appropriate for us. So I really want to talk about how to play as an adult and how to find that feeling of accomplished, meaningful play so that if we know what that feeling is, we can better elicit that feeling in the kids we work with and understand also some of the challenges that they might have during the play experience because play can also be ex challenging. Play can be frustrating. And so if we can learn how we feel and navigate and adapt in those play situations for us, we can better then help the kids that we work with when they're experiencing very similar things, emotions, etc. All right. Thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. I know I took a little bit of a break, but we are back. So feel free to follow me on Instagram or DM me and say, hey, I want you to do a podcast episode about this or I want you to do a podcast episode about that. I have some new ideas um, that I'm thinking of, but I'm always open to hearing ideas of what you actually want to hear about. It just helps me. It helps me figure out how I can better serve or support whoever is listening to this podcast. Okay. As always, take care of yourself. Be well. And my challenge for you between this podcast and the next one is go play. Go find something and play, whether it is a new experience for yourself or playing with the kids around you or, I mean, I play with my grandparents in their retirement fund, whether it's golfing or wine night or they did this like Kentucky Derby party. Anyways, 
play happens at all stages of life and we can engage in play with everybody in our life regardless of our age or theirs. So my challenge for you, go play. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at OT underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.